Good morning, church. You out there somewhere? There we go. We are going to be talking about the covenants of God or the promises of God for the next two weeks. I am so excited to be able to share with you. Actually, we're going to look at three of the covenants of God, but we're going to do that within two weeks. So I'm going to talk fast today, so you're going to have to listen fast, okay? And if, if you don't get something, catch me later. Don't interrupt and say, hey, would you repeat that again? Because we're just going to keep right on moving. I want to ask you, how many of you have ever had someone make a promise to you and then break it? Let me see your hands. Almost every one of us. Okay, now I want you to remember we're in church. How many of you have been a promise breaker? That at some point in time, now it may have been a simple promise, hey, will you take out the trash while I'm gone? Sure, I'll take care of that. Or, hey, I promise I'll never do that again. I'll never look at that again on the computer. I will never again do this. Sometimes we break a promise and it might be an easy, simple promise. And sometimes it might be a, a tough promise. But I want to tell you, we serve a God who doesn't break his promises. And I love what the Bible says. He said, I am the Lord your God. I never change. And he says, I don't break promises. And do you realize if you have a promise that God breaks to you, you will be the first person in the history of mankind that has ever had a promise broken by God. That's right. So I'd say the odds are pretty good in your favor. Because God says, I will never break a promise to you. I will never leave you, never forsake you. The first covenant we're going to look at today is God's covenant with Noah. But this covenant also includes us. And it's found in a couple of different chapters uh, of the Bible. And we're looking at the book of Genesis today. Let me just kind of briefly tell you the, the story, you know, the earth became corrupt and wicked and God decided we're going to flood the earth. But in Genesis chapter 6, beginning with verse 5, the, it says, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on earth and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man from who I have created from the face of the earth, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heaven, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Now, why did Noah find favor in the eyes of the Lord? The King James Version says, Noah walked with God. Well, that means he was a man of obedience. And you have to understand, Noah didn't have a copy of the, the Holy Bible to read. And in fact, he didn't even have the Ten Commandments to follow. But he knew that he was going to be obedient to God. And he knew he was going to do what was right in God's sight. And he was going to walk with God. And this pleased God. And God saw how wicked the earth had become. And in Genesis chapter 6, verse 11... The earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. So God made this decision. It was a radical decision. He said, I'm just going to wipe mankind out. I'm just going to do away with them, and I'm going to start over. Now, 
you know the story of, of Noah and how he built the ark and how God brought the animals and shut the door and it rained in 40 days and 40 nights and the, earth, or the ark floated for, for months and finally came to rest on Mount Ararat. Mount Ararat, if you look in modern day Turkey, that's where Mount Ararat is at, okay? And the water finally subsided and Noah came out. And a great part of this story the first thing that he did when he stepped on dry land, as we look in Genesis chapter 8, verse 20, then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered the burnt offering to the Lord. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma that said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever strike down every living creature as I have done. This was God's never again, never ever promise that he said, I'm never going to do this again. That was a covenant. Now, today's text, if you'll turn into Genesis 9, this is kind of going to be one of our key texts that we're going to look at, beginning with verse 8. God said to Noah, to his sons and him, Behold, I'm establishing my covenant with you and your offspring after you. And every living creature that is with you, the birds, the livestock, and every beast of the earth with you, as many as come out of the ark, it is the very beast of the earth. I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of a flood, and never again there shall be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all generations. I have set my bow in the cloud. That's a rainbow. And it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. And when I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen on the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you, and every living creature of all flesh. And the water shall never again become a flood to destroy all earth. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on earth. God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. Now, God said, I'm making a covenant with you. Now, there's a key difference between a contract and a covenant. A contract, you buy a house, you sign a contract. You buy a car, you sign a contract. You start a job, sign a contract. Going to the Major League Baseball or basketball, you sign a contract. A covenant, though, is your heart's promise. That's your promise to someone else that I'm giving you my word, whenever we get married and we do a ceremony in front of people, you're not signing a contract. You are making a heart's promise to that person. You're saying, I'm making a covenant with you. And that covenant is called marriage. You see, contracts can be broken. Even the best contracts in the world, somehow or another, there are always loopholes in contracts. You know, you ever bought a cell phone 
and at the, the, the print you can't even read or, you know, if you break this or you get out of this lease early, you've got to pay this much. I didn't see that. Well, it was in the contract. Okay, a covenant is your heart's promise. And God's covenant with Noah reminds us that he's always going to be with us, but he's allowing us to take responsibility for what we do. He said, I'm not going to ever intervene again, and I'm not going to wipe you guys all out again. So it's up to you, my people, to decide what's right and wrong and how to govern your communities and your, your state. And you're going to have to take responsibility for your own actions. You see, we're responsible for making this community a safer, better place to live. We're responsible, responsible for taking care of the weak and those that are less fortunate. We're responsible for standing up for the truth. And God says, I'm not going to destroy the earth again and wipe it all out again. So it's up to you to take responsibility. So that means God's going to let our actions run its course. A lot of people would like to serve a God that said, you know, why don't you just immediately punish all evil people? Just wipe them out. Just take care of them now. Or why did you even allow that evil to happen? A lot of people want to serve a God that, you know, God, I, I made this mistake. Why did you let me do that? Why didn't you stop me? He could. But his never again, never ever covenant says, I'm going to let you take responsibility for your actions. I could intervene, and I could destroy all mankind again, but I'm not going to do it. This covenant also means that God's willing to give us a second chance. One of the things about this story I always wondered is, why God just didn't, you know, blow the earth up and said, you know, I'm going to make a new earth, a new Garden of Eden, and a new Adam and Eve. Okay, and I'm just going to start over again because Adam and Eve blew it. Now mankind has still become evil. I, I'm just going to start over again. I'm going to wipe away any remnant of that place that I, I created. He could have, but he said, let's try again. I want to give mankind another chance. And he gave us another chance, even though Scripture says in Genesis 8, 21, that people's thoughts and actions were all bent towards evil from childhood. But he was willing to give mankind another chance. And you see, through Noah, mankind is given that second chance, but through Jesus, all of us have been given a second chance. I don't know about you, but I've needed that second chance. And a third chance. In fact, I've had so many chances that I've lost, I've lost count. But I am so grateful that we serve a God who doesn't keep track of the number of chances that he's given us. Because I need them. I know you're thinking, you, Alan, well, I know it's hard to believe, but yeah, sometimes I have blown it. And God's got to give me a second chance. But he also does that to you. An overlooked point of the story is that God wasn't ready to give up on mankind. And he's willing to give us a second chance even when we don't deserve it because we don't. 
He also says here, this, con- this covenant, I'm willing to put it in writing. Now, have you ever been in a business deal where someone says, well, we don't need to sign a contract or anything. After all, I'm going to give you my word, and I'm going to shake hands on this because we're friends. Or maybe better yet, we're brothers in Christ, okay? So what's the first thing that happened? Promises are broken. Feelings get hurt. Next thing you know, somebody gets left holding the bag, and it's just a bad situation for everybody. You know, I think that's one of the first lessons business people learn is that don't do business with somebody who's not willing to put it into writing. When God made a covenant with Noah, he said in verse 13, I'm going to put my rainbow in the sky, and that's going to be an everlasting promise. So you need to understand what he's saying. I don't need, uh, I don't need to, to, to look at this. He said, I've set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. He didn't need to be reminded. We needed to be reminded. So every time we see a rainbow in the, in the sky, that's a reminder that God's given us a second chance, a second opportunity. And it's a reminder that he will never, ever, ever again destroy the earth like that again, even though it may deserve it. And he said, I want you to see this, and I'm, I'm putting my signature in the sky. And you're going to see this promise, this covenant, my heart's promise to you every time it rains. You know, one of the things about the rainbow That's God's covenant to us. But isn't it just like Satan to pervert what God has promised? What's now happened? The sign of the rainbow. It's not the first thing people think of when they see the rainbow is, oh, that's God's promise to me that he'll never again destroy me because of my wickedness. All those different groups have said this belongs to us no the rainbow belongs to you and me because God gave it to us the second covenant that I want to look at is God's covenant with Abraham and it's found in a couple different chapters chapter 12 and chapter 17 of the book of Genesis and you have to understand that Abraham's name wasn't always Abraham at first it was Abram And his wife was Sarai. God changed it later to Abraham and Sarah. But God promised to bless Abraham in a big way. And even though Abraham was far from perfect, God made a covenant with him, guaranteeing that he would have a great inheritance that would stand for all time. And guess what? You and I are also recipients of that covenant, of that promise. So here's the story. When Abraham... Abram at that time was a young man, and I say young kind of jokingly because he was 75 years old, and God said, I'm going to make you into a great nation. But he didn't have any descendants yet, no children. And God said in chapter 12, verse, we begin reading in verse 1, now the Lord said to Abram, 
Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in all the families, in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Well, let me stop right here and just tell you what this promise means to us. Through thick and thin, America has stood with the nation of Israel. This covenant that God made with Abraham was the Jewish people, what we know as the Israelites, the Jews that now live in the nation, the land of Israel. God said, I'm going to give you that land. And anyone that blesses you, I'm going to bless. Anyone who curses you, I will curse. And through all of this time, America has stood with the nation of Israel. And we have been blessed abundantly. Heaven help the day that we ever decide to turn our back because this is an eternal, everlasting covenant that God made with those people. Now, that's a whole other sermon, but that's what it means to us. So even though sometimes the political culture may decide not to stand with Israel, we have always stood with Israel. And God's people, His his Christians have always stood with Israel. Well, there was also a problem with that promise. You see, God had promised Abram a son... And at this point in time, now he's in his mid-80s, and Sarah, Sarai was in her mid-70s. That's a little past prime childbearing years, isn't it? And so she came up with this plan that involved her servant girl named Hagar. Now, I always think of Hagar, that cartoon, you know. I think Hagar was probably a very beautiful, attractive servant girl, and Sarai said, okay, here, here's the plan. I can't have any children. God hadn't blessed me with any children. Here, Abram, I want you to take my servant girl, Hagar, and I don't want you to go have sexual relations with her and have a son. Well, 13 years later, God spoke to Abram again. And when he finally had a son with Sarah, he was 100 years old and she was 90, 91. Now let that soak in for a minute. A hundred-year-old dad, 90, 91-year-old mom. Can you imagine that conversation? Uh, doctor, I, I need to have a pregnancy test. <laughs> you what? I, well, I think I might be pregnant. 91 years old? Yeah, I know. Can you imagine a 100-year-old dad chasing, and a 91-year-old mom chasing a toddler around, changing diapers and doing all that stuff? Well, he did finally have a son. But I want to ask you a question. Why did God choose Abram? I mean, after all, he made a lot of mistakes in his life. One of the mistakes that he made up was when they were sent from their homeland to the land that God was going to give them. They traveled through Egypt, and Sarah apparently was a very beautiful lady. And so he devised this plan. He said, you know, they're going to see you and how beautiful you are, and they're going to kill me so they can take you as a wife. So tell them you're my sister. And he did. 
And the leaders from Egypt took Sarai in, and she became part of the Egyptian harem there with the, with the, the commander there. And then it was revealed to him that, oh, wait a minute, this lady is married. So he sent him away. Why did you do this? You know, that, that's an ugly part of a man's history that he would put his wife in harm's way to save his own skin, isn't it? That's kind of a serious mistake. The second mistake was this agreeing to this whole deal with Hagar. Nowhere in Scripture do we see Abraham objecting at all. We don't him say, whoa, 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 no, no. You know, I made a covenant with you, Sarah. I'm not going to violate that covenant and go have sexual relations with your servant girl. Not going to do it. She came up with a plan. He said, this is what I want you to do. Okay. Didn't have to, I guess, do a lot of convincing. And he, the scripture doesn't say that he argued or put up a fight. The third mistake he made was after Hagar had had a son first, there developed a rift between Sarai and Hagar. And Abraham, Abram allowed that to continue and say, we're not going to resolve this. In fact, let's just send Hagar and the baby away. He didn't step in and intervene and say, wait a minute, this was your plan. This child now is part of me. His blood is running in his, my blood is running in his veins. So he made some mistakes, but I want you to notice that his mistakes didn't nullify God's covenant with him. In spite of all of that, of all the poor choices that he had made, he had a habit of worshiping God. And so there's a key point in this whole story that I left out. At every major event in his life, the first thing that he did was worship God. He'd build an altar and he'd worship God. Genesis chapter 12, Genesis 13, verse 4, and then again in verse 18. He always would worship God. You see, that was a pattern in his life. It was built on worship through both the good and the bad. His life was built on devotion of God. You see, he never let God out of his sight. He never got far from God because that was the pattern of his life was worship. Remember a couple of weeks ago when I shared with you that if you stay committed to the Lord in daily fellowship and contact, reading your Bible and prayer, you're not going to stray too far in one day. It's over a period of weeks and months when you distance yourself from God. That's when you lose sight of God. Abraham never let God out of his sight. And so, friends, if you want to experience the blessing of God... You need to worship him at every turn in life, both the good and the bad. You look at Job. He went through that whole deal, losing his family, and what did he do? He worshiped God. Well, what was expected of Abraham? Really, not a lot. Genesis 17, 1 says, serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. You see, God didn't say, Become blameless and then walk with me. He said, walk with me and then you'll become blameless. Well, the next part of this uh, 
passage is where we actually get to the covenant. This is the part that makes guys a little squeamish. So, okay, I'm, I'm giving you, you know, disclaimer here. Chapter 17, beginning with verse 9. God said to Abraham, and at this point, he had just changed his name. Verse 5 says, no longer will your name be Abram, but you shall be called Abram. And he said, I'm going to make you a father of multitude of nations. And I'm going to make this covenant between me and you. Verse 1, he said, walk before me and be blameless. Then he goes on to say about how fruitful he's going to be and how he's going to make him into a great nation. Verse 9 says, as for you and your as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You be, shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. Every male throughout your generations, whether born in your house or bought with your money from any foreigner who is not of your offspring. Both he who is born in your house and he who is bought with your money shall surely be circumcised. So so shall my covenant be in your flesh, an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. Now, we learn in the New Testament that circumcision wasn't required for salvation. That was an Old Testament symbol. And God asked Abraham and his followers to be circumcised so that their bodies would carry the mark of the covenant in their commitment to God. God said, I'm making a covenant my heart's promise now this is your response circumcision now the tough thing about that guys is now that's all done as babies there were adult men let that grab your attention for a minute okay this is my covenant that symbol represents that you have chosen to walk before me and be blameless. It means that the blessings of God in your life are more than participation in a ritual. It's more than coming to church and raising your hands and singing a, a, a song, maybe dropping a little bit of money in the plate or something. It's more than just a ritual. It's about your commitment to God. He didn't want you to just merely acknowledge him from a distance but it's a lifelong day after day commitment to God that I'm following you and I'm going to walk blameless God's covenant with Abraham now includes you and I it's a covenant of blessing and great influence he says I'm going to make you famous and I'm going to make you a blessing to others and all the families of the earth will be blessed through you We also see that it's a blessing of abundance. He said in verse 14 of chapter 13, he said, Look as far as you can see in every direction, I'm going to give you this land and your offspring as a permanent possession. See that little country of Israel that is so fought over? 
and there's always disputes of who owns this land, God said, I'm giving it to Abraham and his descendants. So the people that live there, the Jewish people, that's their land rightfully given to them by God. It's also a permanent blessing. Genesis 17, 7 says, This is the everlasting covenant that I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. This is my covenant, my heart's promise from this day forward. And he says, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. I'm always going to keep my promise. And the same thing that God asked of Abraham over 4,000 years ago is the same thing that he's asking of us today. Walk before me and be blameless. God's made a lot of covenants, a lot of promises. He said, all who call in the name of the Lord will be saved. If we confess our sins and are faithful, He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He promises us rest. He says, come to me, all that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. See, we have some incredible promises of God. And I don't know about you, but I am so glad that even when I fail to keep my promises, God always keeps His. Maybe you're here today and you've broken a promise. Maybe you've broken a promise to your spouse. Maybe you've broken a promise to your children. Maybe you've broken a promise to God and said, God, if you get me out of this situation, I'll do, you name it. Maybe you've broken a promise to an employer. Maybe you've broken a promise to a friend. We serve a God who never gives up on us, even when we give up on ourselves. Even when we don't deserve a second chance, He says, you're worth it. And I'm going to give you a sign of my promises to you. God loves you so much. And maybe today your heart is heavy and you're hurting. Maybe it's because you've broken a promise. Maybe you broke a promise that said, God, I'm always going to be faithful to you. And you've walked away from God. It's only one step back to God. No matter how far, how long, how many miles you've gotten away from God, it's one step back. And he said, I'll meet you. You take that step, I'll be there. We serve an awesome God, don't we?